If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. It's week two of our sermon series called My Story. And um, what we're doing over these few weeks is we are looking at four different characters that we read about in Scripture, four characters that each had a kind of unique encounter with God where he wrote himself into their story and we're reading and discovering on how these four characters, how it applies to us today, how we relate to them and what are some of the truths that we can discover from their story. And I'm really excited about tonight because I think tonight's story is all of us all of our stories. We're preaching on an individual who, honestly, there's not a lot written about this person, but this person is probably one of the most noticeable characters as you read through the Gospels, one of the most noticed, uh, noted characters in church history. And tonight, I have the privilege, and I can't wait to get going, to preach on Mary. Mary Magdalene. Now, I know that's confusing because there are a lot of Marys in the New Testament. But Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' followers, is a unique individual who had this incredible uh, journey with Jesus as one of his disciples. But tonight, I want to zoom in on one conversation that she had with Jesus Himself. Now, I know that's probably not what Mary looked like. That's just a still from the series, The Chosen, which is really cool. Am I right? Like if you're wondering what to watch on Netflix, watch The Chosen. And um, I just love the way that the characters are portrayed. But I want to invite you to open up your Bible to the book of John, John chapter 20. It's the fourth book and the fourth gospel in your New Testament. So it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And um, each gospel writer took it upon himself to write about the life and the ministry of Jesus while he was on earth. And it's in the book of John that we have this conversation between Mary and Jesus, which I think is incredible and we can learn a lot from it. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 20. I'm going to read the first two verses and then just skip a little bit ahead uh, to some of the later verses in this chapter. But you can read with me uh, in your own Bible or it'll be on the screen as well. Let's read together. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb So this is already your indication as to where this is happening. Jesus has been crucified. He's dead. And three days later, Mary goes to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Don't you just love how John writes about himself? The one Jesus loved, okay, like... In case you were wondering, she went to Peter, but she also went to the one Jesus loved. Okay, and nothing is beautiful because that's actually how all of us should think about ourselves. Uh, says to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. She's wondering, where is the corpse of Jesus? What did they do to his body? I'm going to skip a little bit to verse 11 because the the verses in between, it's typically like a guy writing because he writes about the race they had to the tomb and how he outran the other guy. He just like, he had to put it in there. So I'm not going to read that tonight, but it's funny. Go read it. 
Verse 11, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white. How radical is that? Ever happened to you? Just like casually strolling down the street, two angels appear. It's pretty cool. And it goes on to say, They were seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. Still thinking Jesus is a corpse. They've taken the body somewhere. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But get this, she did not recognize it, that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? thinking that he was the gardener. So it's Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener, the one tending, you know, all the tombs. And she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go get him. She's adamant, this woman. She's like, to heck with the angels, to heck with the soldiers. Tell me where the corpse of Jesus is. I will go fetch him, take care of him, give him a proper burial again or whatever the case may be. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, recognizes him, and cried out, teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them uh, he, that he had said these things to her. This is an incredible portion of scripture. Now, when it comes to Mary, but I'm going to say this tonight, when it comes to us, you and me, your faith journey with Jesus, I believe this portion of scripture reveals three things about Mary, but it reveals in essence three things about you and me as well. I'll run through them. I'm going to get to them a little later, but I think this scripture reveals about Mary. One, she missed Jesus. Two, she heard Jesus. And three, she held Jesus. She missed him. She heard him. And she held him. And I believe that's true for you and me tonight as well, wherever you are with your faith journey. But before we get to those three points, I want to spend two minutes a little bit on Mary's backstory. Background gives you a lot. So this passage that I just read with you, this is actually the only longer portion that we have that kind of colors in the, the character of Mary. Because the only other references in scripture written that we have of her literally only mentions how she was oppressed by seven demons. How crazy is that? For example, Luke chapter 8 verse 2. It says, soon afterward, he went on through cities. This is speaking about Jesus. Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him. So speaking about the 12 disciples. And also some women who, he, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. That's the only reference we have of her. She was the crazy lady. <laughs> 
She was that lady, okay? She was the one that went crazy, probably climbed up the walls. I don't know, maybe her head turned around in a really scary way. But clearly, from this very reference, this was a very troubled individual. Now, a little bit of, uh, more background on Mary. Her name, Mary Magdalene, actually already gives us an incredible amount of information about her. Because remember, during this time, people were often named, you know, or called from where they came from. For example, Jesus of Nazareth, right? They called him Jesus of Nazareth because he was from Nazareth. Paul of Tarsus, not Tarzan, but he, because he came from there. Mary Magdalene, which is where I'll give, you, give it to you in a second, her name comes from a city called Magdala. Hence her name, Mary Magdalene. And here's a little bit of background on this city that Mary comes from. And it gives us insight into who this woman was. The city of Magdala was a resort city. The best way I can describe it is basically Las Vegas, but by the sea, okay? So Sodom and Gomorrah, but by the ocean at least. So it's fresh, you know, kind of sea breeze every day. It was on one of the shores um, next to the city of Galilee. And according to the World History Encyclopedia, had to practice that, Magdala was a really rich city, a lot of money, Okay, and what do we know? There where a lot of money comes together, a lot of corruption follows, right? This city was known, and this is why I'm calling it Las Vegas by the sea, because this city Magdala, where Mary was from, was known, one, for immorality, corruption, and the third one, in order, prostitution. Las Vegas, but by the ocean, at least, right? A really important city, uh, really important for all its exports in fishing, and there's a lot of you know, capital and a lot of important rich people living here. And early church tra traditions tell us that Mary from Magdala, or Mary Magdalene as we know her today, was most probably a prostitute living in the city, going about her business. So we know this about her. One, sexually immoral, which already places her in a very unique class when it comes to social standing, aka lower than dirt. Why? Because she's sexually immoral. On top of that, a woman that's even lower than dirt, then lower than dirt. And then thirdly, the crazy lady, the one with the seven demons, the one with all the infirmities, the one that is crazy, don't go near her. That's Mary. And in John, we read about how she, and it's actually crazy because in every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mary stars as the key eyewitness to the empty tomb, the resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to take a quick sidetrack just on that note, and then we're going to get back to John 20. But the fact that this Mary, the crazy lady, the sexually immoral lady, the lady that says enough about her, the fact that she stars as the eyewitness, the key eyewitness to the most important miracle in history, my friend, tells you a lot 
about how God feels and how He operates with those in lower standings. The fact that she is key witness to the greatest miracle that has ever happened is actually said and used today as one of the most kind of solid pieces of evidence that the resurrection did in fact happen. Why? Because if you were making up a story, which the Bible has been accused of, which the gospels have been accused of, which specifically the resurrection of Jesus has been accused of being just a story. If you're making that story up, you would not use a woman as your key witness because no one would believe you anyway. And God chooses her. He uses her. He places her in the tomb with other people mentioned some of the other gospels, but in this gospel, she shines. She's the key witness. And she has a conversation with Jesus. Back to John 20. First point, she missed him. What do I mean by that? Mary, in this moment, in the empty tomb, she literally just like crashes through multiple signs that Jesus has risen from the dead. And she misses them completely. (laughs) Sign number one. The tomb is empty. Okay, so already Mary should have like bells going off in her head going, maybe he did what he said he was going to do. But that doesn't happen. She sees the empty tomb, but her mind, her heart does not go to resurrection, which remember, she knows is possible because she's seen Jesus raise people from the dead. She's in the empty tomb, but she doesn't make that connection. Sign number two, Two angels sitting there where Jesus' body was. And they ask her, why are you crying? And instead of making the calculation, angelic beings in front of me, but I don't believe it. I think still they must have done something with his body. She doesn't make the connection. Third sign, and this is crazy, Jesus himself standing in front of her, calling Mary, why are you crying? And she thinks he's the gardener. She doesn't make the connection. She misses multiple hallelujah, clear and amen signs that the resurrection had indeed happened, but she doesn't realize it. Why am I even mentioning that? Because I think so often you and I, We negotiate our faith with God. We say things like this, God, if you do this, then I will know that you're real. God, if you answer this prayer, then I will believe. Then I will have faith. God, if you come through for me, then I will change my ways and I'll follow you. If I will see signs and miracles, then I'll believe. That's a major like stumbling block for a lot of people today. Going, show me the signs. Show me the evidence. Show me the crystal clear concrete evidence that Jesus did in fact raise from the dead. But here we have an account in history where Jesus himself appears to an individual and she still doesn't believe. What's the point of that? 
The point of that, my friend, tonight is this. Faith, the ability to believe in God, is a gift. There is nothing within you that will conjure up faith to believe in God. Even if he comes through, even if he answers the prayer, even if he writes in in the sky, in the clouds, whatever you are asking of him, the ability to believe in Jesus is a gift. Faith is a gift extended to you. So how did she get there if she missed him completely? She missed multiple signs. And if that's true of you and me today, where we actually miss multiple signs that, yes, God is alive. Yes, God loves me. Yes, God has a purpose for me. Yes, God will come through for me. What's the the catalyst for the faith moment? It's the second one, the fact that she heard him. The fact that she heard him, let's, let's read it. He says in verse 15, he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. So get this, I find this hilarious. He calls her woman and she doesn't recognize him. He calls her Mary and suddenly it drops. She gets it. And you see, it's Jesus calling. He initiates He takes the first step. He's the one calling. Mary, up until this point, had done nothing for faith to be alive within her. The thing that made the difference was what? She heard him calling. And even more specifically, she heard him calling her by name. I think that's why John included it. And it also says, it also testifies to the fact that Mary was used to Jesus calling her Mary by her name and not woman, (laughs) woman this or woman that. She was used to Jesus calling her Mary. That's why she recognized him instantly when he said her name. That's the difference. This is where faith becomes alive all of a sudden. It's when you recognize God calling you, God taking the first step towards you, God initiating relationship with you. You're blind, you miss it. You have no idea what's going on and He's the one calling and faith is alive when you hear Him and you respond and you say, Lord, Savior, Teacher, Friend, Counselor, I believe this moment where she hears him, it testifies to the difference between general faith and personal faith. Because remember, up until this point, Mary has seen a lot. She's literally seen Jesus perform miracles. She's seen him multiply food. She's seen him heal sick people. She's seen him raise someone from the dead. She has seen all the signs. She knew a lot about Jesus. If someone were to ask her, Mary, can you tell us about Jesus? She would say, yes, I can tell you about Jesus. I've been with him for three years now. What do you want to know? Which demon did he first cast out? Let me tell you. But this moment speaks of a personal faith moment. Have you had that moment? Have you had the, the personal faith moment? 
where you move away from knowing about God and knowing of God and being able to say a lot of things about him to knowing him, to having a personal relationship with him. She missed him and then she heard him. And then lastly, she held him. Let's just read that verse. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the father. Go instead to my brothers, tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. This is an hilarious verse if you think about it. This is such a beautiful moment. Mary, you know, experiencing a lot of emotion, seeing the resurrected Christ in front of her, the greatest miracle that has ever happened right in front of her eyes. And she grabs onto him naturally. I would also do that. Okay, Jesus, before you do anything else, before you go anywhere else, before anything else happens, let me just grab onto you and make sure this is real. I'm not dreaming. I'm not crazy. It's not this, this demons coming again and confusing me. This is actually happening. And Jesus says to her, stop it. He says to her, don't hold on to me. And it's crazy because this verse in the Greek is hilarious because what Jesus is actually saying here, he's saying, Mary, you're pinching me. <laughs> he's literally saying, yay, knipe me. But they don't translate it like that because it's awkward, right? The son of God is like, Mary, don't pinch me. When you make knipe me. <laughs> Why? Why would he tell her? Why in this beautiful moment would Jesus say, stop it? <laughs> the key lies in, in these words that he says, don't hold on to me, so don't pinch me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. That's very important. Remember that in a second. And then lastly, he says, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So he's not saying don't pinch me because he's weird. What Jesus is telling Mary in this moment is, Mary, you think you need to grab and hold on to me now because you see me, but wait. When I ascend, you will be able to hold on to me like you've never held before because I'm coming back but I'm coming back in such a way that everyone, the whole world will be able to hold me in the same moment because I'm coming with my Holy Spirit. Mary, right now, you're the only one that can hold me because I'm in my physical body. I haven't ascended yet. Mary, right now, you're the only person that can talk with me, engage with me, have a conversation with me. But wait, when I ascend, when I go back to my Father and your Father and my God and your God, I will be open and available and accessible to everyone. So he's saying, relax. Don't panic. Don't pinch me. It's gonna get even better and then he says, go tell my brothers. Can we just pause there? He doesn't say, go tell those dirty, cowards, traitors, two-faced, whatever. He says, go tell my brothers. The ones that, yes, deserted me, the one that denied me, the one that ran away, go tell my brothers. 
I'm going to our Father. I'm going to our God. And then she goes. And I want to end with this before we move on. But just think about this. When she now goes, and remember those verses that I didn't read where John just records the, the race that they had to the tomb. So we can assume it's, it's not that far a distance, right? Maybe like five or 10 minutes. I don't know. Maybe they ran a 5K in like 25 minutes or whatever. But just think about this for a second. During that time between Jesus telling her to go and the time that she goes, that time span in between the hearing I should go and the going, let's say during that half an hour or 20 minutes or 15 minutes or however long it took to get to the other disciples, think about this. In that time moment, Mary was the entire church. She was the only evangelist. She was the only missionary. She was it. She was the one witness to the most important thing that has ever happened to humanity. And Jesus tells her, go, take the message. Go find them. Tell them I'm alive. Tell them I'm going to see them soon. I'm going to be with them. And he chooses an ex-prostitute to do that. He chooses that the carrier, the vessel of the most important moment in history should be an ex-prostitute, a woman of all things, and one that was clearly a troubled, troubled individual. My friend, don't you for a second think that you've done too much, seen too much, said too much, for God, one, to not be able to save you, and two, for God not to be able to use you. What we should take from this is I'm Mary, and you're Mary. Why? Because I was once also blind. I missed all the signs. I missed everything pointing, pointing me to he did in fact raise, he's alive, he loves me, he cares for me. But I'm also Mary in the sense of I heard him call my name. I heard him in a moment tell me, Aiden, I love you. I have a plan for your life. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to be your father. I want to walk with you. I want to live in you. I want you to live in me. And I'm holding Jesus in this moment as well. Why? Because he's in me and I'm in him. I'm Mary, and you're Mary. Part of our sermon series is we get to celebrate just some of the incredible stories of partners from our own church. So I want to invite Nanay to join me on stage, and please give her a really warm welcome as she makes her way. I'm not going to intro her too much because I think she should intro herself. Uh, but what you need to know is she's a Lakamoiki. You can join me on this side. Um, yes, you can get a hug. Yeah, we can totally do that. Uh, she's been a part of our church for, I don't know, an X amount of time. You will tell us in a second. And um, I just want to use these last few moments for Nane to tell us a little bit about her story. So Nane. To kick it off, tell us a little bit about your story, the story leading up to, you just put on your mic, 
with my family, my oma and my opa, my grandparents. Um, and yeah, we went quite often. We really went quite often. But I think yeah, a big part of my story is, as all of ours, is that we grow up in a home and um, our parents are also people and people are still people and sin is part of flesh. So things weren't always ideal. And that yeah, created a little gap in my heart. I had an identity gap, which I now know was an identity gap. And I tried to fill this gap with yeah, people's, um, people's ideas of me. And I went searching for that um, in all the wrong places. So uh, especially in high school and varsity, I turned to the partying circles um, yeah, which led obviously to a lot of alcohol, there was drugs involved, um, a lot of sex. And I, yeah, I lived that life. I really, I, I was deep into that. I was the fun girl there. <laughs> um, so I met a guy and yeah, we were like solidly in a relationship and I moved to Bloemfontein and it got to a point where it was really toxic, but like so I turned into someone who I didn't recognize. I was busy with all the things I hated, all the things that I saw happening when I was growing up. And I just, I was just like, who, who is this person? And luckily, praise the Lord, I did grow up having a Bible, knowing of the Lord. And, um, you know, one hectic night of fighting, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't scream anymore. So I picked up my Bible, reading, 1 Corinthians 13, um, which is love is patient, love is kind, um, thinking that it was going to change my heart posture towards that person. And what it did was it changed my heart posture towards me because I could see the love that the Lord has even for me. <laughs> and all of the all of the affection I was looking for in all the wrong places, with all the wrong people, with all the wrong things, just started falling into place. And the Lord came that night and he changed me. <laughs> he changed me completely. We did a 180. <laughs> I, um, I stopped smoking weed. <laughs> I stopped drinking. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Um, I stopped drinking. I, um, you know, I really tried to do the right things and influence people um, in those circles in where I currently was because I didn't change my circumstances completely um, initially. And then the Lord just came and He closed that door because He's faithful, and I'm His daughter, and He wanted me in His circle. So I started coming to Doxa um, faithfully in the beginning of this year. And the Lord really surrounded me with amazing people, like such amazing God-fearing people. And um, you know, I think that was like my salvation moment. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think what, um, what I love most about this is this is actually not too long ago. It's like a year ago about um, yeah. that this kind of 180 happened with you. And um, I think what's crazy to me is um, I, I, I didn't know Nane before then. So, but what I love about these kinds of stories is it, it feels so far removed from each other. Like the person you're describing, you know, the one smoking weed and looking for, you know, purpose and affection in all these places. Like I, I can't even imagine it to a certain degree. Um, I know some of our friends here actually did know you um, before then, but I think that just, that's so symbolic of the gospel, friends. It's like who you were and who you are in Jesus. It is literally worlds apart from one another. And I really celebrate that. Um, Nane, what would you say? Because I think where there are maybe a lot of people here, um, either in the same boat that you were a year ago, feeling far away from God, um, looking to fulfillment in a bunch of things, but feeling empty. Or on the flip side, maybe there are people here that they know God, but they're still so ashamed, still so trapped and thinking, I've done too much, I've gone too far, how could God ever love me, ever use me? Um, what would your just encouragement be to someone like that? Um, I just want to add on to that thing, like the whole change. It's truly like you are a new creation in Christ. I think a big, um, a big tactic of the enemy is tricking us while he is the accuser and he is a liar. So he's going to come with a lot of lies um, and it might be lies that you're telling yourself, might be lies that you're hearing from people around you. Um, and I just want to like encourage you, if your heart is turning towards the Lord, then like let's celebrate that firstly. That's amazing because that is a gift from Him. And I pray that He will open your eyes and soften your heart. Um, I'm quite a practical person though. So um, if we can make it practical, if you're looking for the Lord, the best place to look for Him is in Scripture. And I'm not going to be one of those people who says, Han, let's need your Bible. Um, <laughs> practically, go and read. Go and read the Bible. Read it like a storybook because they are the stories, collections um, in this one book full of promises of God, full of the leading up to Jesus and full of people who are just as sinful as you are. If I could refer to David, who was a murderer and an adulterer, I don't know how many wives that guy had, masters. Um, these, uh, these, um, in the book of Hosea, God does something beautiful. And this is, this is truly what he does with us. This is what he wants to do with us and in our lives. Um, he sends a prophet and the instruction he gives to the prophet, this entire book, is about the prophet Hosea. And he tells him, go and look for a promiscuous woman and then love the heck out of her because that's how I love Israel. Uh, her name is Gomer. Gomer runs away, like back to the brothels. Like, I'm not even kidding. Um, she has like other guys' babies and Hosea goes and he buys her. He literally buys her back every time. And the Lord ends this story with a promise that he wants to give to Israel. He says, this is how I want to love you. I, I'm going to purchase you. And he did. He did. He bought you with the blood of Jesus. 
He bought you, he paid that price, he sent his son. Like there's, there's nothing, nothing more powerful. God's superpower is grace and mercy. I really, really want you to stop listening to any of the lies because that's where the enemy wants you. Because then you cannot serve for the Lord. You can't worship fully. If you're living in shame, break the shackles, go and find out who you are in scripture because that's, that's your jumping point. And then from there, completely relent into the Holy Spirit and His prompting. Really leave the things that God, that God asks you to leave in those, in those times and surround yourself with, with the right people, uh, the right people, all people are the right people. Um, but surround yourself with people who are gonna encourage you on your walk. Surround yourself with people who really love you and who wanna speak life into you. Who, yo, just, that's gonna change your life. That's what changed mine and Jesus. <laughs> Wonderful, can we just celebrate that? That's truly, wow. I'm gonna invite the worship team uh, just to join us because I think the only way um, to end a moment like that is to respond in worship. Um, so as we were preparing this, Nanae, you can join me. Um, I asked Nanae if she would be comfortable in just praying for people tonight. And um, as I sent her that message, her reply was, what? I wanted to ask you if, if it'd be okay if I pray for people, um, because I think there's a lot more power in there anyway than any sermon that I could ever preach. So can I invite you just to stand to your feet? We're gonna just respond in worship and end our time together. But um, Nanae, before you pray, I'm thinking that there are still some of you, you are still missing Jesus, missing the signs that He loves you. And, and this is another one right here. Jesus saying, listen to her story. I love her and I want to love you as well. I think some of us are still there. You're missing the sign, but hopefully in this moment, you're hearing Jesus call you, calling you by your name saying, I want life, I want relationship with you. I want intimacy with you. And then I think that there are some of us who think, thank goodness that God has saved me, but yeah, I, I don't think He can ever use me because my story is just so bad. It's so broken. It's so full of shame and guilt. And I just kind of want to hide away. I don't want God to use me because my story is just bad. And I'm hoping tonight that you're hearing God loves broken stories. <laughs> That's why He came, because He loves broken stories. And whether you wanna hear it or not, but you have a broken story and I have a broken story, but the story doesn't end there. It's Jesus calling me and I'm saying, yes, I wanna respond. So if you would just like some prayer tonight, just maybe as an affirmation saying, thank you God that you called me of all people, you called me out of some pretty dark places. You called me out of a space where I didn't know you. I wasn't worshiping you. I wasn't even looking for you. But then I heard you call my name. And I wanna just say thank you for that tonight. I want you to raise your hand. And then secondly, if, you're, if you just wanna respond and say, God, thank you that you'll use even me. Even me that hung around in the brothels even me that was drunk on the sidewalk or even me that just wasn't interested. I just didn't bother. Even me, God, thank you that you'll use me. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand if you're in one of those two places. And then Nane, I'm going to hand over to you. Please pray for us. And then after she's prayed, we're going to respond 
in worship. Thanks, Nanay. Lord Jesus, what what an honor. What a what a massive honor to be able to be your vessel, Lord, to do your will and to walk in your ways, to get to know you, Father. Thank you so much for bringing us to this place tonight because this is within your sovereign will. Every single body that is in here tonight is here because you've seen them, Father. Lord, I pray that you will make hearts soft, that you will make hearts soft, that your gospel will drill into their Lord, that they will see what it means that the Son of God died for their sins, that they will realize what the price is that was paid for their lives and their salvation and their eternity, Lord Jesus. We praise you for this gift that you willingly gave that day. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for enabling us. Thank you for encouraging us. Lord, I please pray that you will break the chains of any lies that have been told to people. I pray that you will make their ears deaf to the enemy while they are searching for you. Make them hungry for your truth, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will give them the boldness to stand in the gift that you have given them, Lord. Lord, that they will serve, that they will serve wholeheartedly because this is our worship to you in thanksgiving for what you have done for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for your love and your abundant grace and mercy. Your power is grace and mercy, Lord. And when we walk with you, this is what we walk in. May we go out and may we show the world who Jesus is through what we do. Will you prompt us, Holy Spirit, into the spaces where you need us? And when we are there, will you teach us what you say, Lord? Will you please be with us when we speak and with what we do and how we move? May we be vessels and ambassadors of Christ and walk in the righteousness that we have through the blood of the atoning lamb. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.